Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. You're listening to the podcast, so there I was. This is episode 57. 57. Yeah, with Gunny. And this one's titled A Water Buffalo for Tim Key. What a great story. (laughs) Absolutely hilarious. There's a photo. uh, It's like a famous photo, right, that goes along with this story. Yeah. There's a water buffalo being hoisted under a helicopter. That's right. And so that goes with the story. (laughs) All right. It does indeed. Uh, we, We don't have that photo, sadly. But here's the cool thing. You may remember in last week's show with Gunny, he talked about a photo that was of a buddy's x-ray that was taken after he inadvertently swallowed his wings after his winging ceremony, and it came along with a poem at the bottom. Uh, He hadn't seen the x-ray in over a year, came back to the States at an Ellison Field Oak Club slash bar and BOQ. There was a picture of that x-ray on the wall. And underneath it, a poem that said, His wings of gold he wears with pride, not on his chest, but deep inside. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he didn't have that picture. And so we asked you wonderful listeners, hey, help us out here. And what happened, Fig? We got it. We got it. Thanks to the great Toontini. Thank you, Toontini. Maybe remember back, it was episode 29. It was our first our first Navy helicopter our first, pilot. Yes, right? our first helicopter pilot. Yeah. He left his footprint on my face, episode 29. <laughs> Captain Tunick is the author of American Quest and has the honor of being our first helicopter pilot. But he's the one that sent me the link in Facebook with a picture of that x-ray and that poem underneath it. It's a great picture. The coolest thing to me is that we've already got enough listeners that we just put the word out and said, hey, we want to see this. And you, you took care of us means you're doing what? You're sharing. Thanks, great Tuntini. And and everybody else is sharing. The show is growing. So keep doing that, please, folks. Who doesn't like good aviation stories? I mean, come on. Exactly. And here's the other thing we have to do, thinking of people who are listening and sharing and supporting. We've got two new patrons this week, Fig. We've got Mike Price and Cal Stewart. Thank you, gents. Indeed. Thank you very much. They are now pilots on so there I was dot us slash Patreon. You too can be a pilot on Patreon and support us. Your love for the show can translate into meaningful support by becoming a pilot at so there I was dot us slash Patreon. And for a little over a buck a show, you can help us cover the cost of creating quality content like this. Can't spare the change. Hey, no worries, right? You can visit our sponsors and using the codes that we give you. This incentivizes them to continue supporting us while you enjoy their fantastic products. And you can rest assured, hey, Fig, are you going to endorse something that isn't good or you haven't tried? No way. No way. Not me. No. No. So you're going to get stuff that we've tried and we know we like and we think you'll like, and you get a sweet deal in the process. Yeah, great discounts. And our sponsor this week is Robin's Bird Brain Designs, custom-etched gifts like, say, coasters with your squadron logo or your tail number on it, something like that. Made a great gift for uh, many members of your family, as I recall. I got great, I got great gifts. Matter of fact, they were squadron logos personalized with everybody's name or call sign that I call them anyway. Right. It, it was yeah. awesome. We got them everywhere. Everywhere I go, I see them now. <laughs> nice. Very cool. So reach out to Robin at Robin's Bird Brain Designs and get your custom gift etched. Show someone you put some thought into their gift. Hey, this week, the show picks up from where we left off last week. He talked about his last day in Vietnam, 
and not riding a CH-46. He'd rather ride a convoy truck, hoping not to get shot. That's right. (laughs) And I can't say I disagree with that sentiment. Not my favorite airplane to ride on. <laughs> no, no, mine neither. That, 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 there's a, I have a story there, and I'm not going to tell it now, but I made a deal with God that day, and I haven't been on a helicopter since. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, God keeps his end of the bargain. you got to keep yours, that's what I, I suppose. I, that's what I'm doing, yeah. <laughs> right on. He talks about getting back from uh, Pensacola, and he rolls in pretty quickly, though, about his friend one eye who got that call sign what he said was the most heroic act he'd ever heard of it was one eye's last mission in vietnam that's right oh that's that that, that'll make the hair on the back of your neck stand up that story oh just terrifying but then he moves into the story the water buffalo for tam key oh my gosh that's another one of those uh you know, 50 crunches, it felt, it felt like, you know, after I got done laughing. And they're lucky, the lucky Marines didn't die trying to make this whole thing right. That's the oh. amazing part yeah. of this. That's the scary part, right? It oh. was. I think we've been yammering on quite a bit. A water buffalo for TM Key is going to be the highlight of this one. Well, no, one eye may be the highlight. They, you know what? They're all great stories. They're all great Hey, and before we press on, uh, I think we need to say uh, uh, something about Brian Scholl. We do indeed. We lost an amazing aviator uh, last week. It was very sudden, and uh, he's episode 54. It was almost a month to the day after we recorded it, but it was like uh, two, uh, two, two. Three weeks. Just shy of three weeks. After we recorded we- it, but it was a week after his recording Oh, a week after his show right? came out, yeah. 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 He was giving a talk in front of a big crowd in Reno, Nevada, I guess, right. and and then collapsed off stage, and he was DRT. Yep. So uh, very sad. Yeah, eleven, a legend of aviation. And the legend. interesting thing to me, if you go back and listen to that show, is how many profundities that man uttered. Right. Talking about life and perseverance and attitude, and he was pretty humble about all the people that helped him. That he, you know, he wasn't the greatest guy, and not everybody liked me. Some people hated me, and but it, he didn't let it ruffle him. He just kind of went, you know what? Attitude and perseverance, and stick with what you want to do, and quit or move forward. Well, I really felt like it was an honor we got to talk to him then, and now I feel like that was just a gift. It truly was. You're going to enjoy this episode full of stories, though. I can promise you that. Gunny is a screen. Don't let go of the collective. Here's Gunny. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Well, there I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly... So there I was. So then I got home, went to Pensacola. There were about eight of us from my squadron or the immediately sister squadron who were all instructing at HD8. And that was good fun because we would do stuff. I mean, we were teaching these lieutenants how to fly and they were all going right to Vietnam. They might go to HMMT in Santa Ana for six or eight weeks, um, get a cup of coffee. We got, we got better coffee. We went to the river and. <laughs> We wanted, we wanted them to learn stuff. So we, so we teach them stuff that was a little beyond the syllabus, De- or at least demonstrate stuff that was a little beyond the syllabus. Sure. That was really good fun. One of the things that wasn't fun that we were still in touch with, with our friends in the squadron 
And every month or so, you'd get a letter saying, oh, you know, Bob got killed or that new guy got killed. He might not got here before you left. You know, he got killed and the people got fl- flew into a mountain in a cloud when they're directed in by a TPQ. Do they have TPQ when you're there? No. No, but Spicer yeah, talks a, about it in his book. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's yeah, a, it's, yeah a, a it's a radar control. And, yeah. yeah. And then it was after I came back that one of the guys I had checked out in country and was a really good friend performed probably the most heroic uh, act of flying I've ever seen in my life or ever encountered in my life. I didn't see it because I was back home. But uh, this guy had been my co-pilot and I checked him out and showed him where the area TAOR was and told him how to, how to do certain approaches that they hadn't seen yet. And, um, and we got along really well. Um, what, what's TAOR? Tactical area of responsibility. Yeah. Okay. Of course. Um, right. Just slipped in my mind. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, uh, uh, so he had been 1-16 on his first mission when okay. he was watching everybody in. Uh, I don't really remember whether he was one of the hungover pilots or one of the still drunk pilots, <laughs> but that was his first combat mission. His last combat mission was on medevac standby where you'd get that about once a week where the four pilots and the four crewmen and the two corpsmen would sleep in the ready room and you would launch only if there was an emergency when the emergency call comes in the operations duty officer would say okay this will be a launch whereupon the corpsman and the left seats would run out get in the aircraft, strap in, get the engines going, get the rotors engaged, while the right seats would be taking down details of the mission, mission number, grid coordinates, last enemy contact, frequencies, call signs. So right seats run out, climb up, get up there, launch. Climb to 2,500 feet and start heading toward where the zone is. Now, they don't have any GPS. They've got paper maps and there are no lights down there because in 1968, when this was in Vietnam, there wasn't any electrification of the rural areas. There weren't any lights in the houses. You couldn't tell where the towns were. Anybody who had so much as a kerosene lantern in his hooch was asleep by now because they got up with the sun. They're farmers. Right. So call sign one four. This is Clip Clop Medevac inbound. Uh, I think we're getting pretty close to you. Do you see us? Uh, yes, we have you in sight. You're headed. <laughs> of course, Chris, sometimes you'd get the, you'd get the, the one four, the, the air controller just didn't understand things. Yes, I see exactly where you are. You're right at my 12 o'clock. Okay. Now that doesn't do any damn good. That tells what me is- that he's looking at me. Yeah. Um, what? but this guy was a little better. It says you're coming at where at your. At your 10 o'clock right now, we're going to illuminate the zone. The zone is a dry stream bed. The dry, dry stream bed is oriented north-south. We don't have any appreciable wind. The last time we took fire was from the north. We suggest you come in from the south at treetop level. Okay, how are you going to illuminate the zone? Well, we'll illuminate it with three lights and the the wind, such as it is, will be coming from the point of the tri- triangle. Okay, well, you look down and it's an equilateral triangle. 
They say, uh, come on in, come in from the south. We think Charlie is probably pulled back, but we do have five emergency medevacs. Now, five is the max you can carry in an H-34. So one night tells us, a wingman, follow me down to a thousand feet, start circling at a thousand feet. I'll make the pickup because I can get all of them on board. If you see any fire coming at me, okay. give me all the suppressive fire you can. Get them to keep their heads down. Okay, we'll do that. He comes in, comes down, and he's coming in from the south fast as you can go by. And, and now with the way you slow down fast in a helicopter is you drop the power completely. You stand it on its tail. And when the rotors are pointed okay. aft, you pull in power and you get a giant speed break there and you slap it down as soon as you get zero ground speed. Okay. As he's coming, just as he's starting the flare, Charlie gives indication that he has not retired completely. And when the wingman was looking down, he said, the tracers looked like a bicycle wheel. And one eye was right at the hub. Oh, okay. And he knew he was at the hub oh, because gosh. that's when his co-pilot went, are you okay? Oh, are you gosh. okay? Nothing. Nothing. He hears mm. nothing. So shit. And now I'm flying solo. Yeah. Sets it down. The Marines start carrying the emergency medevacs. And Charlie starts rushing the aircraft. Okay. The crew chief, who is a remarkable guy from Akron, Ohio, was credited with, I think, 12. It might have been 18, but it was 12 KIAs within 50 meters of the aircraft. And as that's all happening, one eye gets shot through both eyes, and he's totally blinded. And he says, Corporal Bush, I just got shot in the face. It looks like the co-pilot's dead. Uh, you're going to have to get us out of here because we ain't staying here. I'm going to pick it up. You tell me where to go. And the, the crew chief says, nope, no problem. No problem. I got you out of here, Lieutenant. I got you. I might have been a captain, but I got you out of here. Just pick her up right away. Uh, but we but we got eight guys on board now, so you're probably going to have to bounce it a couple of times. <sighs> Interjection. A helicopter is wonderful because it can hover carrying a lot of weight. However, it, if it is moving forward beyond about 15 knots, it can carry a lot more weight because of an aerodynamic thing that I uh, is too complicated to be able to explain to fixed-wing pilots. It's magic. It's magic. Yeah, it's magic. It's magic. Um, if you're going 15 knots, you can carry a yeah. lot more. So one of the techniques is to get up into a hover and start moving forward, and you lose lift, and you bounce, and you bounce. And then when you get up to 15 knots, then you can get. So, okay, cover. Go straight ahead, straight ahead. There's nothing in front of you. Bounce it, bounce it again. Bounce it again. You're getting, you pick it up. Pick The trees are getting pretty big, Captain. You got to pick it up. Gets up, he gets it out. Wingman comes down, joins on him, takes over the, the controlling. They get out, and they land at the mouth of the Quaviet River near the DMZ. In the meantime, his wingman has called for backup. A couple more aircraft have, have launched to come out. These guys, I think, were still in their pajamas, except Marines don't wear pajamas. And they come out. An hour later, one eye was on a hospital ship in surgery. He got evacuated. He was on the ship for a couple of days. And I'll tell another story in the next half about when he resumed flying. 
Eventually, he got shipped back to the States, and he was put in the eye center in Philadelphia. And he was there for a year. Eventually, regained the sight with one eye, but not with the other, because the other eye was was organic fertilizer someplace back in Guangdong province. Oh, wow. During that time, his wife, who was a Navy nurse, whom he had taught to fly, had a weekend off to fly to Bermuda, and she, she got Bermuda triangled and was never heard from again. Oh, and at that point, he said he was just about ready to to check it in. He said, "I didn't see much future of me." But then another guy in the squadron showed up in Philadelphia. A guy who lived in Jersey nearby says, "I got to get to Santa Ana. I thought you might like to come along as a co-pilot and navigator for me." And when I said, "Yeah, I will," he put together an AWOL bag. They got in the. I seem to recall it was a. Brand new 1969 Mustang convertible. They drove across the country. And when I said that saved my sanity, that was absolutely terrific. He put me on a flight back to Philly when we got there. And when I got back to the, the Naval Hospital in Philadelphia, they didn't even know I was gone. Been gone a week. That's how crowded the Naval Hospitals were in 1968. Just to tie that up into a nice little bow, 25, 30 years later, there was a reunion of 2-4, 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines, and all eight guys were there. Every man he had evacuated wow. was still alive and was there to say thank you. Wow. That is eye-watering. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's okay. We can take a, if you want to take a break and water your eyes and acknowledge some of the people who make this possible. Let me take a minute and mention our sponsor, Robin's Bird Brain Designs. She offers a wide range of customization options for their coasters, including squadron logos and call signs, organization logos, and even aircraft instruments. These unique designs are perfect for anyone in the military or aviation industry or for anyone who appreciates the beauty of these intricate designs. Their attention to detail and commitment to quality is evident in every piece they create, making their coasters a truly special one-of-a-kind gift. Whether you're looking for a gift for a friend, family member, or a special way to show appreciation to a colleague or client, Robin's Bird Brain Designs has got you covered. Their custom etching services are not limited to coasters either. They can also create custom designs on a variety of other items, including plaques, cutting boards, or even a laptop or iPad. Their product customization is perfect for anyone who appreciates the beauty of personalized gifts. Overall, Robin's Bird Brain Designs is an excellent choice for anyone looking for a unique and thoughtful gift. Their custom etching services are unparalleled, and their commitment to quality and customer satisfaction is second to none. Robin'sBirdBrainDesigns.com So you've got notes about a, a water buffalo. Oh. Uh, safety wiring the brown bar. What was the, what, what, what First about night the of the fight bar? at Dido. Oh, safety yeah. wiring. That, oh, he was such a doofus. Okay. <laughs> okay, one one of the great guys, okay, 362 went to Vietnam on board the USS Princeton, an LPH, set sail from Long Beach and took about six weeks to get to Vietnam. And that all counted toward 13 months. Perfect. They got there. And one of the original, the original astronauts, as we call that, that first group of pilots, <clears throat> was a guy... May his memory be for a blessing. His name was Roger Cook. At one point, he had a co-pilot who was 
the least competent person ever to escape the training command. Okay. And <laughs> shakes off is the first landing. Said, okay, your turn. The guy just barely can barely keep it right side up. And helicopters inverted are not fun. Comes back. Then, okay, I'll fly it for now. Roger flies it all the way back. He says, why don't you try this approach? He grabs the aircraft from him and takes it away. Why don't you just sit on your hands for the rest of the rest of the hop, okay? And the FO says, yeah, okay. They get back to Kiha. Kiha was the helicopter base, which was related to okay. Chulai as the fixed wing. We had some Phantoms, mostly okay. A4s at Chulai. Okay. And 34s, 46s, and Hueys at Kiha. So they get back. Now, an H-34, for those of you who are in the special class, is an aircraft on wheels. You can taxi it. You don't have to hover taxi it like a Huey, which is on skids. And as they're taxiing in, Roger calls down to the crew chief, says, uh, hey, Sergeant, can you cut me off about an 18-inch length of safety wire, please, and hand it up to me? Well, sure, Captain. I'll be glad to. That's it. Hands it up. And as they're shutting down, he says uh, to the co-pilot, he says, hey, hey, doofus, can you can you do this with your hands? Can you hold your hands out like that? Almost, Almost like, like prayer, but prayer hands. But okay. Yeah. He says, yeah, I think I can do yeah. that. And he does it. And Roger takes that safety I wire see, and reaches around and he goes, <laughs> and safety wires his thumbs together. <laughs> See ya. Climbs back down. Now, if you'll recall, the H-34, you, you, the pilot sits about 14 feet up. up yeah, it's air, it's way up. It's, it's a needle climb up Using yeah. both hands yeah. to get up there. Just I imagine you need both hands to get down unless and, you want to and, do it in one step. And he's sitting there and all the troops in the squadron are saying, hey, look at that dumb lieutenant. You see what Captain Cook did to him? Oh, Captain Cook great. had a reputation as being resourceful, <laughs> pretty good pilot. He was another one of the guys who was back at HD8 when I got home. Okay. So, hey, gone. You're welcome home. Glad you're back. So um, I think it's in the glossary. HT is a helicopter training squadron. So you have a glossary listeners. for this for this website? For this Absolutely. For this, uh, so there I was. US slash glossary and all How do you the terms. STIW. So there I was. Oh, you say it out. It's you just an abbreviation. Yeah, oh, okay. It's just an abbreviation. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so yeah. Roger Cook was, um, he was a cowboy from Colorado. Okay. And um, I don't know where he went to school. I don't know how he got his commission, but he was in 362 pretty much the entire time he was in the Marine Corps. And since after getting his wings. So there came this time in, in I Corps in 19, late 1965, that some Marines had had killed a water buffalo. Uh -oh. Not knowing that water buffaloes um, were frequently a, one of the major assets of a little village. Water yeah. buffalo was important because because you know it pulled the plow, uh, it gave it it the, the cows gave gave milk, they gave meat. I mean, it was it was a it was a very important asset. So they shot the, the by accident. Now 
one of the great images of Vietnam is a picture of a helicopter carrying a buffalo in a sling on a long cable suspended below the helicopter. And the water buffalo is hanging here looking absolutely helpless, right? You're going to about to hear the rest of the story, right? <laughs> Paul Harvey, good day, the rest of the story. <laughs> so when the, the Marines accidentally killed this water buffalo, uh, a frag came down to 362 saying, we've got to replace the water buffalo. It'll be a really good way of helping the hearts and minds uh, get one. So, uh, ugly angels, find a water buffalo and give it back to the village of Tam Key. <laughs> okay. Who knows nice. anything about water buffalo? Who knows cattle? Knows- oh, Captain Cook. He knows. He knows all that stuff. He's a cowboy. So they go into the village and they bought a, a bullock water buffalo <laughs> and uh, put a rope around its neck and get a bucket full of rice and dangle the, the rice bucket in front dangled the rice bucket in front of the buffalo and it follows him in. They build a little ramp up to the H-34 <laughs> and the water buffalo walks up the ramp and circles and lies down right next to the crew chief seat. Nice. But he falls asleep. And they say, okay, <laughs> well, we're going to give it back to the to the Unbelievable. village of Tamki. Fly up to Tamki. I think one of the photographs I sent to repeat, yeah, was an aerial view of the town square of Tam Key. Okay, I'll um, look for that then. Because what I do for the listeners, uh, right. if if you're listening to this on a podcatcher like podcasts, or I don't know if it's podcast or podcaster in iOS on your iPhone or iPad, I embed photos that each of the guests send to us within chapters of the podcast as it goes out so as it switches chapters you should see some different photos and i'll try and put the water buffalo uh or that the town of tam key yeah uh with the water buffalo story in there if and i can find it yeah yeah so um so they take off they're gonna render unto tam key what tam key deserves they're gonna give them water buffalo back fly down there now tam key for those of you who don't have a image of it is one of those beautiful old French colonial villages that the French had built up. It had colonial white stucco town hall with a long, long, long greenway in front of it with beautiful elm trees subsequently cut down. It was really beautiful. So Roger's making his approach in here and he's coming down and before he makes the approach, on his way up there, the um, they get up to 2,500 feet where the air is cooler. And the water buffalo wakes up. And the water buffalo looks around and says, oh, shit, this isn't right. And doesn't like it. So he starts walking forward. And the center of gravity commits suicide. Goes, goes way, way, way forward. And the aircraft starts going like this. And they said, oh, get him back, get him back, get him back. Get, oh, get that steam. under control. <laughs> and he starts going backward. Oh, no. And th- now they're, they're, yep. they're in extremis at this point. <laughs> get that fucking animal under control. And, and he starts oh, no. going forward. And then, <laughs> boom. 
Um, we, we thought some uh, lead injection was required, uh, sir. Shot the thing right between the eyes. <laughs> now, as Roger's making... Now, now you're now down to water, Buffalo. <laughs> there, and he sees lined up in, in this beautiful town square, the town fathers of Tam Ki, South Vietnam, with top hats and tails, cutaways, and a little oh brass God. band is playing. And Roger, what Roger said to himself at that point was, Oh, you got to be shitting Oh, you got to be shitting me. Comes in there, lands in front of him, kicks the water buffalo out, and takes off and gets back home. I hope I hope we 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 dodged a bullet on that one. Next day, in the ready room. Wow. First sergeant comes down and says, Is there a first lieutenant cook in the ready room? Yeah, that'd be me. First sergeant, what can I do for you? Group commander would like to see you, sir. Come with me, please. Um, can I be up after? No, sir, come with me now, please. So he gets marched up to the group commander's office and the bird colonel is there. And who else is there? But there are four of the founding fathers of Tam Key in their top hats and cutaways and all that. And the colonel says, first lieutenant oh, no. cook, I think Mr. Nguyen Cao Key would like to speak to you. He looks at him, comes to attention. And the mayor says, is very kind of American Marines to replace town water buffalo that was accidentally killed by American Marines. Um, village of Cam Key had hoped very sincerely to have a living <laughs> water buffalo to replace formerly living water <laughs> buffalo. And Roger sees what's going on and, and he breaks the position and says, a living water buffalo. Shit, Colonel, we must have misunderstood. We can do that. We'll get him we'll get him a living water bubble. We could probably do that today or tomorrow. And that's when they learned carry it externally so it can't screw oh, of up course. the gravity of the aircraft. Sling load it, yeah. Yeah, that by he 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 was a, a sharp that's son of a gun. Funny. That's what a great recovery. I thought it was oh, going to go out the I, ramp I, I, out I the back or something, though. At the... <laughs> we um, we did have one Man. carrying some uh, some Arvins one time. There were uh, a cr crew chief said, hey, before before we take off, sir, I think they left something back in the radio compartment. Let me check it out. And he went back to the radio compartment, which was way after the center of gravity of the aircraft. Picks up and there's some rags. And there's a grenade with no pin that was wrapped in the in rags. So just about so it would shake loose and blow when they got to altitude. That was oh. that was a close call. And I remember that was a crew chief oh, boy. from Texas. Don't remember his name. Actually, I do, but I don't remember a way of disguising it at all. Um, who, who one time had to replace an engine. <laughs> and while he replaced an engine... He also got some paint and underneath the rudder pedals where the black skid proof paint goes on the okay. plane commander's side, he painted right and left. <laughs> Good way of talking about it. Yeah. This is amazing oh, stuff. That's great. Absolutely amazing. That is, so, that is rich. Yeah. One of my roommates in pre-flight was a sailor who was hoping to become a backseat driver in a Phantom, which he did. 
Okay. And uh, he ended up getting shot down and spent about five years in the Hanoi Hill. I always admired the hell out of anybody who could survive that. He and, uh, and I got together for a happy hour in San Diego, maybe 10 years ago. Okay. I hadn't seen him the entire time. I said, what do you take away from, from being a POW all those years? And he said, it was just funny. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, well, being the show. hilarious. Like, <laughs> well, I like rope burn too, I guess. But <laughs> I think what what, what what was McCain said? I I didn't make it to Woodstock to the because I was tied up at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, oh, 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 I got a McCain story for you. McCain was uh, was yes, an I, instructor I, at Meridian. Okay. Back about. I don't know what year it was, but he was running for president. And the New Hampshire primary is the first primary of the year. And one day I was, I was down there to replace a data card in the airplane or something. And I could, I noticed there's a big white Learjet parked there. And I walk out to the hangar and I flip the new SIM card or whatever the the thing is in. And as I'm walking in, it was one of those Sunday mornings in January where there's zero wind, hardly any clouds, and I'm wearing my my brown leather flight jacket. And as I'm walking in, this guy walks out of the Learjet, walks down the four or five steps, and it's McCain. Well, I say, hey, Lieutenant McCain! And he kind of looks at me and tilts his head, and he <laughs> walks toward me. And I walk up to him, and I put out my hand, and I said, there's no way in hell you'd remember who I am, uh, sir. But uh, I was a Marcad when you were an instructor at Meridian. And he says, first words I ever heard him speaking. He says, I apologize for everything I ever said to you. <laughs> now, he never said anything to me because I was a Marcad in helicopters at Ellison right. Field. And he was instructing. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it got his Still. attention. Um, yeah. Yeah, he was he was known as a screamer. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. well, he, but, he uh, must have regretted uh, yeah. some of the things he, he, he obviously he said. And right. once, if he, he was he was close to the anchor man in his class. But uh, yeah, well. yeah, yeah I think he was just, second or third from the bottom. Yeah, very close. You know, you know what they, they call those guys, though, right? The guy that's the yeah. anchor man, ensign or lieutenant. Yeah, we had a yeah. guy. And yeah. one of the instructors in yeah. ground school in pre-flight was an LDO ensign. And he'd probably been a first class and they picked him okay. to, to be an ossifer. And uh, I don't, I've never known anyone who is as proud to be an ensign in the world. He would come into the class right. and <laughs> he would call the class to attention. Please be seated. And he'd walk up to the bulletin board and he'd take chalk and he, not the bulletin board, chalkboard, and he'd take a piece of, piece of <laughs> a chart and he would write out fully, no abbreviations, ensign multisyllable. And every class, every class, <laughs> always ensign syllable. Uh, that was it. So, so what uh, he taught a class nice. called military etiquette and tradition or something like that. <laughs> now, one okay. time he says, 
Let's start off this class with a little quiz. Who knows what sort of an officer is not required to have a sword? And one of the cadets says, a one-armed officer, sir. And this guy just goes <laughs> apoplectic. What? What did you say? I can't believe that I'll you be said a like one-armed. Would, would you like another opportunity? Whereupon the kid starts thinking, well, maybe that's not right. Oh, wait, a chaplain, a chaplain, right? Says, okay, that's better. He had no idea that this character was absolutely sincere. <laughs> he said a one-armed officer. <laughs> yeah. A one-armed officer, <laughs> sir. Did you, ever, did you ever have occasion uh, well, in the Marine Corps to go through the manual of the sword after commissioning or after basic school, maybe? Uh only for weddings, uh, weddings. Yeah, weddings, weddings, and weddings, and there is always some occasionally, would occasionally at the Marine Ball, someone would do something, but yeah, I, a, you got to come to our Marine Ball next year. Yeah, that sounds like a hoot. Where are you, yeah, Fake? Where do you live? Like, uh, I'm in Kansas City. Uh, I, I assume KC Mo. Yes, sir. Yeah, not but, the good. Yeah, but yes, sir. But, but here's the, here's a clue. He he does get to fly for free. So yeah, yeah, I was thinking yeah. I can travel. You, you 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 fly for um, you fly boxes. I I I don't. I fly oh, people. He flies people. Yeah. I smart. I fly the smart passengers. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've got to deal with drama. Repeat yeah, does not deal do. with drama. That's I right. Bet you do. So, but you can come into Manchester. I'll pick you up. We'll drive up there. Yes, the ball. yes. Yeah. I like okay. the way this sounds. Yeah. Hell, I might. I'd like to come for one of the first Friday breakfasts. That's yeah, a great that. idea. Do that. Yeah, come in on a Thursday. You can stay with Repeat. Yep. Yes. He's got a couch. Yep. Well, how about you? Um, I'll, I'll stay with you, Gunny. <laughs> that's uh I'm 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 far from an airport. You'd have to you'd have to <laughs> of course you're an airline captain, you're rich. You can oh, yeah. you can afford to rent cars. Oh yeah, I get it. Um <laughs> if your uh your tiger isn't out of uh annual yet. Yeah. Not um, yet. It's coming. It's coming. You you could um you you don't have to get uh, to drive up at zero five hundred yeah. together. No, this or sounds no, like you're hoop. from Pease. You're yeah. from Pease. Hey, I I had a bad connection for a little while, and so if I and I had to reboot. If I miss this, uh, well, then I'm obviously I'm going to go back and listen to it. But um, have have we have you talked about the first night of the fight at uh, Dido? Dido. Yes, I did. That was that was the night that 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 one I got shot in the face. Okay. That was okay. that was that was the first night of the Battle of Dido. Okay. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I have truly enjoyed all, have we all of these all stories. I, so uh, far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. You got any? Uh, let's see. Uh, no, Marquez didn't go to OCS. We knew that, but when, but didn't, didn't go, go or didn't go to the basic school. school. Yeah. yeah. Didn't go to OCS. Didn't go yeah. to basic school. Well, but it was kind of a. I, I don't know. I always considered AOCS a o, OCS. Yeah, you went to OCS. It was an AOCS. You know, for right? Marquez, right? I mean, you 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 you, you got your ass by, what, what, by it, Marine Staff NCOs yelled at lots of early AM. Were there were there weren't any Marquettes anymore when you were there because you're no, so young, no. right? Were, were the were the Navy AOCs commissioned at the end of yes of that the same time as you were? No, they were the Navy AOCs were commissioned uh, when they at the end AOC. Yes, it was the NAVCADs. Had to wait till they got their wings. Did you have to wait right. till you get your wings to yeah. get your yeah. get yeah. your bars? Okay, yeah, but they but they were backdated until the time uh, that we had we became first class cadets, oh, which okay. was traditionally when you hit the boat. 
Okay. But for us, okay. it was when you when you got uh, completed with the advanced RI. Well, that was kind of nice. So, so yeah. I got my commission at the end of March, okay. but it was backdated to January 1st, which means all my classmates at Harvard that didn't get kicked out like I did, who stayed in and got graduated with, with ROTC or, or PLC or anything, I outranked them by six months. Beautiful. Oh, that's great. Also, all the boat school guys who are my high school class. Right. Yeah. I outranked them for six months. Of course, that didn't last very long. That actually, I could, it did make a little bit. Um, if if they were Navy or Army, it did. But Marines were getting promoted so fast. We were told when we got our wings, "You are now a commissioned officer." The Navy captain was doing that didn't know anybody. He said, "And and uh, probably twenty four months from today." But perhaps 18 months today, uh, you will be promoted. Well, it turns yeah. out it was 18 months from three months before. Well, that. from January. So I, I was, two months from I nice. was selected for captain in, and I was announced as a captain selectee in Navy Tibes before I pinned on my silver bars. That's how wow, fast how about, how about that were getting killed. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. So right. not so nice, yeah. but yeah, because Spicer talked about that. Spicer said he, you know, they told him you'd be uh, when he got commissioned as a second lieutenant. They said you'll you'll be a captain in thirty six months, and it was twenty eight yeah. months later yeah. that they that he pinned it on. So holy me, it was a, it was a bad, I don't think it was even that. It was it was probably I don't remember the month I got it, but it was maybe maybe twenty seven. That'd be twenty two years plus three. Um, yeah. It got slowed yeah. back down. Well, Gunny, so, I, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm kind of uh, intrigued on uh, how how it is exactly you got uh, asked to leave Harvard. Um, I uh, I, I believe it was because of my uh, my academic performance. I uh, <laughs> I had just, I, I, eighteen I, months. I, they couldn't teach you anymore. Is that what well, you're saying? They, they, did, they didn't manage <laughs> to teach me much. That's for sure. I um I um. I made the mistake of thinking that I was supposed to become a scientist. And the same semester, I took organic chemistry and functions of a complex variable, which is third year of calculus, and honors physics. It, we took four courses at a time. I also took conversational French. And since English is my second language, I managed to get along okay in that one. I got an a, a D and two Fs. And they said, maybe you'd like to okay. do something else uh, for a few years, but please, if you'd like to return to Harvard, please let us know. And uh, <laughs> so, so we can send out a rejection I, letter. No, they, they let me back. They let me back bigger and shit. They let you back. Nice. Okay. I had two separate and distinct welcome home experiences when I got back from Vietnam. One wasn't until I'd okay. been back for a couple of years. And it was when I went mm -hmm. up, I wanted to get readmitted to Harvard. And I was a firm believer. And I imagine you guys might have become that way too, that when you're learning radio instruments, rather than take off and go from Pensacola to Mobile to Biloxi and back to Pensacola, and do an approach, you'll learn an awful lot more if you go someplace else. Right, right. Absolutely. So I used to plan plan these, these trips where 
pretty much they'd go through the entire RI syllables. I'd get three or four students, put them in the belly of aircraft, and we'd take off and we'd go from Pensacola to Fort Rucker to New River to Atlantic City to Long Island to Hanscom Air Force Base, which is just west of Boston. And then we'd go back and we'd take a slightly different route on the way back. These guys loved it because we just happened to arrive around lunchtime on Friday in Boston. I'd say, okay, I'll see you Monday morning. I can't, I can't make you wake up. See, you're on, you're on your own. Have a good time. Be back here uh, Monday morning at <laughs> 0600 nice. or so. And uh, that was good. So we, we took that one uh, in uh, sometime in the, the spring of, 69. And uh, I, I, I went in and asked the Air Force, they're mostly National Guard people. I said, I, I need a car for the weekend. Could you find me a car, please? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And they uh, gave me a car and I drove into Cambridge and I parked it right next to the Harvard Lampoon Castle. And I walked into the di- back door of the dining room of Adam's house, where where my administrative records were kept. I walked in during a meal, and I wanted to look sharp for these guys. So I had my, now they call them alphas, short sleeve khaki trousers with creases so sharp you'd get a paper cut on them. (laughs) And my ribbons of fruit salad and all my jingly janglies and all this stuff. And man, I felt good. I walked in there. And you could have heard a fucking mosquito fart. It got so right. quiet in there. And somebody threw a roll at me. Somebody started hissing. Oh, and shit. I said, mm, probably not the best time to stop at the dining hall office. Right. I walked right through it out the other side and went up to the senior tutor's office and uh, talked to him. And he said, yeah, yeah, we'll be happy to get, take you back. You want to start in the fall? I said, yep, September. And I'll need housing in this area. Well, take care of it. Here you go. So that was my unpleasant return yeah. to the States. Mm-hmm. But I'd been in Pensacola for a couple of years. So I, yeah. I knew what it was like. When I first got back, we flew into Travis Air Force Base. They mm-hmm. gave us a ride to Santa Ana. We had to go through customs someplace. Coming back from a fucking war, and you got to go through customs. Yeah, right. Yeah, doesn't, that seem, doesn't that seem like pure um, harassment? Yeah, it, it did. I got a guy to give me a ride up to San Francisco International because I knew I could fly home from there. Plus, I had a former girlfriend. We'd split up. There's no question. She wasn't my girlfriend anymore. But I really liked her family, and I wanted to see her. So I get up to San Francisco, and it's a Saturday night. There aren't any more flights coming in, but... There's still somebody at the rent-a-car place, and I rent a car, and I drive down to Palo Alto, where her family lived, and I start thinking, you know, this is one of those liberal campuses where they don't like military people, and I don't know how I'm going to be received. True, I've known these this family all my life, but I don't know whether people are going to let me in the house. I was very apprehensive. I really yeah. did not feel thoroughly comfortable, but drive out, found the house. Lights are all off. I parked in the driveway and I'm, I'm sitting there saying, I'm supposed to be yelling at me. I'm supposed to that. How can you do those horrible things that, that people do that we don't really know anything about? Right. And then the light goes on upstairs. And so I start breathing hard. 
trying not to hyperventilate. Yeah. <laughs> and then a light comes on downstairs and I go up to the door and there's no doorbell. So I pull open the screen door and I bam, 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 sir. <laughs> Yeah. Just, like, just, just like, like going to the drill. Yeah, and, and then I step back. I'm holding the the screen door open, but I step back a little bit, and there's oh, half a minute or so, and the door opens. It's Mrs. Hess' door, and she looks at me for a minute, and she says, "Rusty, thank God you're safe. We're so happy you're home." Oh, that's awesome! Oh, indeed. So. I can't complain about my welcome home at all. No, there you go. Wow. You know, and I can't think of a better way to wrap this up than to say, I'm, I'm glad you're home and I'm glad you're safe. And I thank God for you and your service, Rusty. Me Uh, and, and I, I, I think, and I want to, I want to let both of you know that even though you flew those fixed wing lawn darts, I can, I consider you Marines. (laughs) I consider you Marines. Thank you, sir. I, we, I, I appreciate it. I know Indeed. repeat does. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I know what repeat does. <laughs> um, so, um, first Friday every first month, Friday. first 0, Friday of the month, Lou's Restaurant, Hanover, New Hampshire. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it so some if way you, somehow. If you come up on Thursday night and you call the Hanover Inn ahead of time, it's the nicest, closest thing to a nice restaurant we have. Place nice hotel we have, and it is, it is, yeah, it is, it is. That's probably the way to do it. That's the yeah. way to do it. And tell them you would like a room and you'd like the salute rate. But there okay. you go. Okay, it, which is very yeah. You get a you get a five hundred six hundred dollar room for like a buck and a half. Nice and uh, very cool. It's uh, it, it's very nice. They that's the place we have our Marine Corps ball every year, and we put on a good show, good ball. Very nice. There are. A lot of Marines, many of whom no longer wear the uniform, um, many of whom no longer wear the uniform, even even though they served for four years. Right. Um, there are also members of of, of uh, the other branches of service, what we call the sissy services. Yes. Uh, sister, 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 sister <laughs> services. Sister services. We we generally have a lot of people from other nations, military. And uh, every branch of the United States military and also the Air Force. How uh, how big is it? How many people? 200. Wow, that's good. We have a, a guest. We generally alternate enlisted one year, officer another year. Yeah. We've had a master sergeant who is uh, operations chief for MARSOC. We've had a couple generals. What's most important is that they be Marines who like to hang out with Marines. And it's a really good thing. Oh, our oldest Marine so far until last year, maybe until two years ago, we always had a World War II Marine as oh. as a uh, as the oldest Marine present. The youngest Marine usually hasn't yet reached 20 and is usually on special leave right after right. IPR. Right out of right out of yeah. the boot. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. So, well, I've been keeping you away from supper uh, for a long time. So, uh, no, not at all. So, thank you, Gunny. And again, thank you for your service. We greatly appreciate it. What a true pleasure. We are so sincere about that. I have an amazingly enjoyed your well, story. Well, I've enjoyed, and I'm going to, I, you're what? I can't wait to listen to him again. Wait, no, you won't. When the podcast you'll, comes you'll, out. You'll, oh, okay. You can do that, <laughs> but you'll get new ones. Wait, wait till you start your, so there I was, starts getting a little more circulation and you start getting more combat Marines. Yes. Yeah, because yes. uh, 
because there are phenomenal stories out there. We will see you uh, actually, and and many of us are there almost every Friday. There's somebody there, but it's the it's the Jarhead nice. breakfast the first Friday of the month. So we'll look nice. for you the first of June. I'm uh, looking forward. Well, a couple other thank yous we got to throw out there real quick. Uh, first and foremost, Fig, do you remember who it is? Uh, some Dave guy. Isn't uh, Dave, my man, Hamilton? Thank you, Dave Hamilton. That's right. He's the one that gives us all the know-how and the expertise and helps put us up and online. And, and we're, uh, we're grateful to Dave for everything he's done for us. Thank you so much to our sponsor, RobinsBirdBrainDesigns.com. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we've also got a glossary page. So there I was dot us slash glossary. Follow us on Facebook. So there I was dot us slash Facebook. Same thing on Twitter. Email us if you got questions. Reach out to sticks at so there I was dot us or fig or repeat r e p e t e at so there I was dot us. Keep doing what you've been doing all along. Please share, share, share this show with share the show, share the show. It just isn't that hard. Tell a friend about it. <laughs> So there I was dot us slash subscribe will get you to the page you need to be at so you can listen to every show when it comes out. We try to come out Thursday mornings. I'm not sure. Fig, I think I'm hearing something in the background. What you hear anything? You know what? Those are the Dos Gringos, the oh. two F sixteen pilots that make the Air Force sound good. They do indeed. We're grateful to them for coming on our show, for letting us use their music for our show. It, it's wonderful music. Four albums, Dos Gringos. So thank you to them. So everybody else, in the meantime, stay safe, check six, and we usually give this at the beginning of the show, but don't let go of the collective. <laughs> well, there I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fond of all the shit I was wearing on that day. Now an F-16 is cramped enough, but it's even worse With all that stuff supposed to save your life But we knew there was no way Cause when you're going down the North Atlantic, man, it's over What's a song say, Fig? It's over. Oh, 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 oh. Whoa!